Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And on the line now, I have Dylan Dowson. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep, yep, you got it. All right, well, I have Dylan Dowson from Onyx Hunt. And uh, we're going to get a little bit talking into scouting, online scouting, and uh, how Onyx Hunt can potentially help you for this upcoming fall and any other hunting season. So, Dylan, what's going on today? Yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having us on. Um, so, yeah, today playing a little bit of catch-up here in the office. We're uh, we're getting a bunch of stuff ready for the fall. So, theoretically, if everything goes well when fall comes, I can uh, just press press the go button and then get out and do some hunting myself. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're gearing up for the fall and itching for hunting season for sure. Awesome. So where's Onyx Hunt is in Missoula, Montana, correct? Yep. Yeah, that's right. So Onyx was founded in Missoula. Um, we do have an office in Bozeman, Montana as well, about three hours down the road. Um, recently in Missoula, we just upgraded. We outgrew our old office, so we bought some land right next door, built another one. Um, so we're kind of in the transition period. Most people are moved over and kind of getting settled in, but, uh, yeah, we're growing super fast. So um, I wouldn't call it growing pains because everything has, you know, gone pretty smooth, but um, growing pretty, pretty rapidly. So kind of getting in the mix here with the new building here in Missoula. That's awesome. That's good to hear. But um, so Onyx has really kind of jumped into, jumped into the the mainstream here in the last few years. But that uh, hasn't always been the case. It's it's not not a very new company, right? Um, so not relatively, I guess, um, Onyx was started in 2009. Um, Eric Siegfried, our founder, um, still with the company, he, he started it. He grew up in Eastern Montana, right down the road from where I grew up, um, and grew up over there, did a little bit of guiding. And then when he came over to the Western end of Montana, which is where Missoula is located, um, basically in a nutshell, he was having some issues trying to find areas to get out and go hunt, uh, not being familiar with the area. And so essentially he found all the data, put it on a micro SD card, and then made that available to, to work in a Garmin GPS unit. So he could see where the private public land was in relation to where he was at on the map. Um, and so he kind of just solved a problem, you know, that he was having personally with moving and not being familiar with an area and not you know, wanting to waste precious time studying where he could go instead of being out there. So he uh, basically solved that problem for himself and realized it was uh, a great tool that a lot of people needed to see. So it started in 2009, and then a few years later is when we started working on the Hunt app. Okay. So, yeah, my my experience with Onyx, I think it was somewhere in the 2011-2012 period when I bought the first chip. So I bought a chip for Pennsylvania and for my for my Garmin GPS unit and have been using that ever since and it's been awesome and I eventually ended up buying Ohio's chip as well as Colorado when I started going out there a few years ago and it's just been 
it's been awesome for me to uh, to be able to use that. I, I bought it specifically for the landowner map, maps because I was going to different areas, starting to scout new places. And that, that was kind of the the basis, it seems like anyways, of what Onyx was, was trying to to accomplish from the beginning, but it, it definitely uh, evolved from there. So explain a little bit more about, um, I guess, the chips and, and the app as far as what, what exactly is it? Yeah, so the chip, you know, is, is the product that Onyx started on. So definitely a, an important core product. Um, I think I was about the same as you. So I've been at Onyx personally about three years now. Um, I think I got my first chip when I was, I think it was about 2011 as well. Um, and basically I got it, you know, as a, as a Christmas gift, I think it was. Um, and really all I was doing was hunting areas where I grew up in Eastern Montana areas that I kind of grew up hunting. And I thought I knew every little nook and cranny and who owned what, and where the public was and where I could hunt, where I couldn't. And immediately when I got the chip, um, and a Garmin GPS, you know, I was driving by places out to my hunting spot and I would drive by a piece of state or BLM land that I had no idea was there, wasn't marked or wasn't even sent. Um, you know, that previous years I've seen some pretty good deer on and just kind of assumed that it was private. So initially when I got it too, um, it was, uh, it was an eye opener and that's primarily why I think everybody gets it is, or I shouldn't say everybody, the majority of the people get it to be able to see who owns the private property in the public land. But as you stated, um, you know, it's, there's so much more than that now. But in a nutshell, what the chip is, um, is state by state. Um, and so, like Montana here, if I plug in a Montana chip to my Garmin GPS, it's going to show me all the private boundaries, um, who owns that private property. It'll come up with their name. If it's public, it will be color-coded. So, like, blue will be state, green will be forest, yellow, BLM, et cetera. Um, so you can quickly see what it is, is along with all those boundaries and whatnot. Um, it'll have other, you know, basic info information like uh, the 24K topo on it. So you can see elevation gain loss, um, streams, roads, creeks, trails, all that good stuff as well. Um, and that's essentially what the chip is. Um, it works either in a Garmin or you can plug it into a computer and, and uh, check it out there. But basically... You know, in the, in the past couple of years, um, the technology has gotten so much better with phones and the GPS capabilities of the phones that we've really been diving hard into the phone app, the Hunt app. And what that does is it gives you all that same data that's on the chip, the private public lands, um, topo, you can get aerial imagery on the chip or on the app, excuse me. Um, it basically turns your, your smartphone into a handheld GPS device. Um, that works offline. You can save maps for offline use. And, you know, it, it really lets you customize the data, what you want to see or not see at any given point. You can customize the map on your phone. So essentially what the Hunt app does is it gives you all that data, turns your phone into a phone or tablet into a GPS um, that really you can rely on with or without service and no matter where you're hunting at. Yeah, and, and so I, I was using that chip for a while, I guess it was six years or so. And then last year, you know, I was introduced to the app. So, I mean, I was a little bit late to the game to, to do that. But even then I was, I was really not sure about 
jumping over to it. I was like, oh, you know, the, what about my phone battery? You know, what if I don't have service? All these things were going through my head and I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, keep using my GPS and, you know, fiddle around with uh, the app on the side. But it, it didn't take long to figure out that there's a, all those issues that I thought I had in my head were easy to, to get rid of. So for example, the hunt app has the feature where you can off for offline use. So you can download the map area ahead of time and for an area you're going into and use it with no cell signal. And if, and, and you can, you can run that without, if, as long as you're not tracking yourself, you're not using a whole lot of battery. So you can mark waypoints, you can use the aerial photographs and the topographic maps or the, the overlay that, that you guys have to be able to do that. And that was a, that was a huge transition for me, but I, I have to say not until even after my Colorado trip last September, um, was it that I fully switched over to relying on the phone and it's been, and it's been awesome because I don't need to carry both of those things. And as far as the battery issue that I was worried about with my phone dying, um, just using, I, I just paired up basically with one of those dark energy chargers and I, with one full charge in that dark energy, my phone will last a full seven days in, in the back country without, uh, without worrying about it dying completely. I always have a, a, a way of backing it up and that's with me using it for other things, not just that. So that's, yeah. that was a big, yeah, a big sure. thing for me. That's a, that's a good point. Cause that's one that we hear constantly. Um, and I was the same as you, you know, I, even when I worked here, started working here at OnX like three years ago, um, you know, the app was progressing. And to be honest with you, we were, we kind of had to wait for a few things um, technologically to, to catch up, to make it where we wanted it to be and where it is today. Um, but I would say for my personal use, when I'm out hunting three years ago, when I started working on, at OnX, I was probably, I was more, I was relying heavily, more heavily on my chip and my Garmin than I was the app. And since we, so about a year ago now, we completely rebuilt the app from the ground up to make a ton of improvements, really, really improve on the save maps for offline use feature. Um, and since we've done that, I haven't turned on a Garmin GPS. Um, so that's 100% what I rely on when I'm out there um, is the phone app and it's, it has been great, but yeah, it's in the last three years that I've been here and, and, you know, since the app started, it's, it's kind of, it's came leaps and bounds of, of where it was. And it's much, much more reliable now. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome to see. And like you said, anything that you can do to cut weight or just not have to remember one thing, another thing, you, you always have your phone on you. So it's, it's pretty nice to be able to have that feature, you know, built right into it. Um, and actually before, before we keep going with this, Dylan, I apologize, but I forgot to, uh, kind of ask you a little bit about yourself and what you do with Onyx. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, I've been here about three years. Um, I actually started out in customer service. Um, and really, I mean, that was the perfect spot for me to start here. It really, it forced me to really kind of dive into the minds of our customers, um, and talk to them on the phone or through email pretty much all day for over a year and really understand who our customer is throughout the country. And, I'm, you know, I grew up in Montana. I live in Montana now. I've never lived in any other state. So 
to be able to talk to people all throughout the country and see how they use the product and what they need out of it and what their requests are um, was really a good spot for me. Um, and so currently, a little while ago, I can't remember exactly how long, but uh, switched over to the marketing team. And so my current job title is community coordinator. Um, I work a lot with our pro staff um, team, our influencers throughout the country. Um, I do a lot of the, the trade shows and events, um, as well as work a lot with social media here at Onyx. So um, on the product side of the marketing team now, but uh, yeah, I've seen seen a few different spots here and been fortunate enough to wear a few different hats here at Onyx so far. That's cool. So you said personally you grew up in Montana. I've just lived there ever since. And uh, I'm sure you understand how lucky you are with <laughs> being able to to hunt all the, the different species and just the opportunities that are available over there. Yeah, I think I'm, I understand that more so now than I think I ever have. Um, more just from these conversations and, and whatnot. And growing up here, you know, it, that's what I grew up doing. So I wouldn't say I... I taking it for granted um but sometimes i forgot that what i get to do every year and the amount of days i get to spend in the field and different species i get to go hunt and and whatnot is kind of rare um especially when you think of it nationwide so it's uh it's good for me to have conversations like these you know with people in different parts of the country that you know aspire to come out to montana or colorado or wyoming and and hunt deer elk antelope you know bear all sorts of different stuff and have the opportunity to put in for moose sheep and goat every year and bison. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great, great place to live. I, I love Montana. Um, but yeah, I think I think I remind myself of that more now than I ever have. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So where I come from is North central Pennsylvania. And, you know, I grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere with no matter where you went, it was public land available to hunt for the most part. And whether that was timber property or, or uh, nationally owned or uh, state land. And once I moved down towards the Pittsburgh area for work, I, I couldn't believe, well, that's when I really realized how lucky I was to grow up in an area where you can hunt anywhere. When I came here and it's like, I got to figure I could ask permission to hunt somewhere or I have to drive, you know, 45 minutes to find a chunk of game lands. That's, that seems to have a lot more hunters in a small area. And, uh, it was just something that was eye opening to me. And I appreciate everything that, that I grew up with so much more now that I, you know, that I moved away for a little while to, uh, to go back. But as far as Montana goes, I, I've never been to Montana, but it's it's one of those places that I feel like I, I could definitely live. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I let's put it this way: I really don't have any plans of ever moving out of Montana. So um, <laughs> it's treated me treated me pretty well so far. No, I don't blame you there, man. That's that's awesome. It seems like, and especially the area you're in, again this is just for me looking at maps cause I've never been there and photos, but it looks like yep. just such a beautiful area. Yeah, it really is. And so, I mean, Eastern Montana where I grew up versus where we're at here in Missoula, it's, it's almost like two different like continents. It's, it's not even like the same state. Um, you know, Eastern Montana is more rolling hills, plains, badlands. Um, no, well, you know, there are some elk over there, but it's more so deer hunting antelope, 
um, upland bird hunting. And then on the western side here, it's rugged, steep mountains, um, you know, good elk population. And really the, the main difference is eastern Montana, there is public land and there's a lot of it, but it's very checkerboardy and very, um, you know, it might be like a quarter section here and a section down the road. It's not like for the most part, besides a few places, it's not like you can just, you know, throw a pack on and, and hike all day in one direction and not have to deal with private. Um, and in the West, that's absolutely how it is. Over here in Missoula, there's a ton of public land, a lot of forest, um, some timber company land that we're fortunate enough to be able to hunt. And really, I mean, in the mountains, for the most part, you can hike in one direction for a very, very long time and not run into any civilization or private. So um, even the move, you know, in the state, and it's about an eight-hour difference here in Montana, um, it was it was quite a big change for me. Um, I grew up hunting a lot of, you know, not a lot, but I grew up hunting some private ground where my friends have farms and ranches, and we uh, family had a, a farm, so we grew up hunting that. And now I primarily, I, well, I only hunt public land over here in western Montana. So it was uh, it was something that you know it was easy working for Onyx to be able to find spots with the maps, but otherwise it would have been kind of tough to make that move and not really not really be confident enough to move in August and, you know, mid August find hunting spots already. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. And going to a different place like that. And I, I, I'm assuming it's similar to like, so when I would drive through the first time I was going to Colorado and I drove through the Eastern part of the, the state and I was like, you know, where, where are the mountains? <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing, but it looked like Kansas the whole way across. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you get into the Western part of the state and it's, a uh, it, it was just crazy. Such the, the difference in, in one state there. And, you know, the, you know, from the movie there, that, that John Denver's full of shit is what I was saying, you know, as we were, as we were driving out yeah. there. <laughs> but yeah no absolutely that's that's how montana is i would say for half if not a little bit more than half to three quarters of the state is is flat rolling hills and and whatnot and a lot of sagebrush and then all of a sudden you hit the mountains and you're like oh we're we're in the mountains now yeah we're getting serious now (laughs) yep yeah my uh my cardio has had to change quite a bit from hunting growing up versus over here it's taken me a while to keep up with the the local guys from western montana for sure oh i'm sure that that was a that was an eye-opener for me as soon as you you know go from you know 1500 feet above sea level to you know 10 11,000 feet and even higher than that it was just like and and throw away the elevation just look at the terrain differences it was amazing the the difference there and realizing that everything i did i might as well throw it out the window because i I need to work a little harder at it yeah for sure (laughs) so that's that's good but you were talking a little bit there about uh checkerboard areas what do you mean by that so checkerboard a lot of it so each state is different. I'm, I don't want to speak on every state because I'm not 100% sure on the laws in other states. But Montana, for example, um, you're not legally supposed to corner cross, you call it. So if there's four pieces in Montana, we go township section range. So for the most part, typically, like one section of land would be like a mile by mile. Um, 
And so say there's four of those together and the section in the northwest corner is private and the section in the southeast corner is private, so kitty corner and the other two are public, you're not legally supposed to cross from public to public in that spot. Um, even though they kind of, they do kind of touch each other, but if they're on opposite ends, if the corner is the only one that's touching each other, you can't access that because the other two are private. Um, and in Eastern Montana, we kind of refer to it as checkerboard, just like on, you know, a checkerboard would be black and black and red or whatever, two colors, um, with private and public land. So there might be, you know, 15, 20 sections of BLM land that technically you can, you can hunt if you have access to it. But if only one of those sections, if a road only goes through one of those sections, you can only access that section because you can't corner cross to all of the other ones um, because it's technically surrounded by private. So it's, you know, it's one of those things here in Montana where we've got a ton of public land. We're super, super lucky, but we also have a, a ton of public land that we cannot access because a public road, you know, does not intersect that and we can't corner cross. So that's kind of what I meant by that. Okay. Um, and you really, yeah, you really just have to know where you're at at all times because a lot of the places over there aren't even fenced um, or labeled, whether it's private or public. So, you know, looking at a paper map, you can still see all that if you're, you bought a current up-to-date paper map and update those every year. Um, so you can still see those, but you can't see exactly where on the map you are. So you can speculate and look at, you know, telepo lines and be like, can hey, probably here. But if you took, you know, if you walk that next 10 yards, you could be on private and not even know it. So that's why, you know, the Hunt app is extremely valuable um, for that stuff is you can look and see exactly where on the map your location is. And, you know, I can walk up and I can hunt, you know, feet from a property boundary, even if that's not marked or fenced whatsoever and still be legal. Okay. I gotcha. And that's, yeah, that's where that's the app is such a big um I guess it's a great feature to be able to allow you to hunt some of those areas that you may have strayed away from because you're like, I don't know where the boundaries are. I don't want to mess around with it. And, uh, now you, you're more confident. And, and also if, if it came down to it and you had some sort of a confrontation or someone came up to you and said, Hey, you know, this, this is, this is private land. You can be confident in saying that it is or isn't. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, we hear those cases all the time. We've heard, you know, farmers and ranchers getting the app or being told by somebody that had the app and they found out they had an extra five acres or whatever it is that they didn't even know about, um, <laughs> stuff like that. So we, uh, we hear those cases all the time. And I mean, I personally been in those cases last year. Um, buddy that I work with at the office here, Zach and I were archery antelope hunting in Montana and a spot that we had never really hunted before and came around the corner and there's a, a pretty nice buck out there. So I put a stock on him and there was no fences, no nothing. Um, and there's like a little strip of BLM where we could access a bigger chunk. Um, so went out there kind of blew the stock, unfortunately, but, uh, when we were coming back, I noticed there was a fish and wildlife officer parked behind my pickup, um, and we had been tracking ourselves the whole way. So we had the tracking feature turned on in the app so you could see exactly where we've been. Um, and it's a spot that without that, A, we wouldn't have known it was public. 
and B, there's no way that I would have tried to, you know, go through this little strip of, of BLM that wasn't marked um, in fear of crossing onto private property. Um, but anyways, long story short, we went up, came back. Um, the game warden asked if we knew, you know, where we were at, where the boundaries were, showed him the app, showed him exactly where we had walked through that strip of BLM public land. And he's like, great, you know, I use the product too. It's awesome. <laughs> wow, that, that's that's cool to hear that. And that's yeah. that's not an issue like that we see as much in the East, but definitely something like going to one of those Western states that uh, that you, you could need to really have in the back of your mind. I mean, you already have enough challenges from going out there, f- coming from back East. You don't need something else to worry about as far as where you're allowed to go or, or anything along those lines. You want to have 100% confidence in what you're doing and, and being able to proceed with that. So that's that's yeah. definitely a a big deal being able to do that. So kind kind of uh from the eastern side of things, so in in the Appalachian region, what some of the places that I've hunted where that's really helped me out was being able to find areas that were say owned by a timber company or owned yep. by a gas company, um whatever it may be, any sort of business even. And being able to either look up on their website, whether they have public hunting access or be able to just give them a call and, and get a written permission to be able to access these properties. And so that's where I think that feature has been, been awesome from, from the side, the standpoint of whitetail hunting in different places, especially when I started traveling to Ohio where Ohio their trespassing um, laws are very, very strict. I mean, if you trespass once, you're getting, whether it's intentional or not, you, you go right to jail. And they do not do a very good job of labeling, you know, what, what's posted property and what's not. And being able to have that app has been awesome for me because I'm able to, in, in certain areas that might have a, a thin strip of public that may only be a couple hundred yards wide, but accesses, you know, the, the back end of a, a giant area that may take a lot longer to walk into from another access, you're able to get back in there quicker, silently, and, and a little bit more efficient without blowing out deer. So that's been a, a huge feature for me. Yeah, and that, that's a good point because, I mean, for me too, personally, I, I use it just as much for strategy of how I'm going to do a hunt than I do finding places to hunt. So, you know, initially I think a lot of people get, get the app and even the chip to see where they can and can't hunt. Um, and that's, you know, primarily what, what the product was designed for. But at the same time, you know, if I'm spring bear, just close spring bear season, just closed here in Montana recently. And there's so many times that, you know, I'll spot a bear from a mile or two away, zoom in on my aerial imagery, mark a waypoint in the park that, I saw the Baron because by the time I get around to the other side of the Canyon, um, you're sitting there in the trees. You have no idea where that park is. Don't know if you're 20 yards from the bear or 2000, you know, it's just, it's almost impossible to do that. So the more and more that I'm, I'm using it, um, you know, it's a lot more strategy of like you said, how to access a particular stand or a particular piece that you want to hunt better. Um, so yeah, not only, you know, not only are people using it to find where they can and can't go, but also the strategy side and, and really to help you be more successful, um, 
I use it a ton for. Yeah. So speaking of that, you can use the, you can use the online tool as well that links right to your app, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get the membership um, on your phone, you can use it on your phone, tablet, and also computers. Um, all you have to do is go to our website on on uh, on the computer, just onx www.onxmaps.com. In the upper right, right now, we have like a login or start mapping, and then it pulls up your same account. So if I've marked, you know, 20, 50, 100 waypoints on my phone or a tablet, those automatically show up on the computer and vice versa. So a lot of the times, if I'm like planning. You know, if I were to go out this next weekend and go scout out an area, I'd probably start with the computer version because it's a lot easier to see a bigger screen and really come up with a game plan um, and mark waypoints of where I wanted to camp, you know, some trailheads I wanted to check out, mark some routes, you know, into an area where I might be able to zoom in and find some water sources, et cetera. And then when I get out there, after I've saved it on my phone, um, all that data that I've compiled right on the computer automatically shows up right on my phone. So instead of looking around trying to figure out what the best plan of attack is, I've already done that part. So when I get out there, I can just hit the ground running. Yeah. So it's funny that the way, when I first, the first trip I took out to Colorado, um, I was still using the chip and I was using the, where I could overlay it on to Google earth at the time. And um, I was Doing that, which was an extremely, you know, effective way of doing things to mark waypoints ahead, it was just kind of little. It was a little bit cumbersome to to go through and then transfer that, to, you know, to the GPS and then make sure that everything downloaded. But once I started using the the online version that links right to your phone, I mean, as soon as I had the waypoints and exited out of the browser, they were on my phone. I was ready to go. And so, so what I would do is how I would scout an area for elk. Okay, so I'd pull up an area. This is where I want to go in and hunt. I would mark where I thought potential bedding was, where I thought the water source, the food sources, and would have all of those marks. So when I went in there, I had those points of interest to to be able to go to. And the best part was when you know when you're going through, and the situation was unfortunate, but it worked. Is I went to this one bedding area, I blew out a ton of elk and it ended up being like right where I had the, the waypoint marked from, you know, 2000 miles away. And that's, that's a pretty cool f- feature to be able to do that. You know, just, you know, my fault for blowing them out, but the fact that I was able to find them was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's just it, especially if you're traveling to a different state or whatever. And a lot of people have very limited time. Um, the last thing you want to do if you have a week vacation to go to a new state or even to the same state you've always hunted and to get it done is waste time doing stuff like driving around, figuring out where you can access and where you can't, um, you know, time is valuable. And especially when you only get X amount of days per season every year. And it's, it's pretty nice to be able to just hit the ground running and, uh, and go make it happen instead of sit there in a vehicle trying to come up with a strategy yeah no that's that's awesome to be able to do that and and the big thing is having backup areas you know i have basically five areas at any time when i go in to one larger area and for backup so if i don't find elk or if i don't find deer in that area in a few days you know i can move on and not be pulling out the maps being like oh shit you know what's 
what's the next, what am, what am I going to do now? And spend time trying to, to figure that out. You, you can mark everything online, put them on your phone, have your maps downloaded and be able to bounce from area to area in a relatively short amount of time. For sure. And I'm, you know, personally, I do it the other way around as well, just as much. I'll, I'll go into an area. Um, and I'm still, you know, I'm relatively new to the area over here and still trying to find some, some spots where I can really find out consistently and figure out what they're doing and where they travel and why. And, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, big picture. And when I'm out there, I can mark, I'll mark waypoints and put notes in there. So like if I find a elk wallow, I'll mark it and I'll put notes of like, you know, was there a good trail into it? Which way was it coming, et cetera. And then, you know, bedding areas, all that good stuff. And then when I get back from a weekend hunter scout, I can pull those up on the computer, look at it as a bigger screen and really visually between the topo maps and imagery kind of, you know, paint a bigger picture of, okay, what is that elk are doing and why? And for the most part, it's going to be fairly consistent year to year, I feel, um, unless fire comes in or really bad hunting pressure or wolves. But, um, you know, I, I do it the other way as well, and it's really helped me to kind of paint a bigger picture of, and figure out kind of how that elk herd moves through a basin or, or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's true. And after I, you know, visited the areas and did that, I have a, a decent amount of waypoints and I, I do what you do. I don't just, you know, mark the spot. I put details in the description of, okay, it's an elk wall. I might even, even though it marks the date, I may write the date, you know, on there knowing it was, you know, was it tore up? Was it, um, was it used recently? So then, you know, year by year, okay, th- at least I know at this time that this was tore up and maybe that'll be the case next year. And, and also if I, you know, jump some bedded elk, I'll mark that down. So that's, uh, that's also, um, something that I, you know, pay attention to there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, like you're kind of alluding to, and you might not be able to figure that out by one year's worth of data, but if you keep hunting that and you come across the same wallow and put a note in for every year of, you know, it's used or whatever, that might be the one thing that, the following year, the third, fourth, or fifth year, you go to that area, you know, you might be able to compile enough information that you have a good feeling about sitting that wallow a particular night because of whatever reason it is, and you might be successful. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good, you know, data management tool as well because um, you can mark those waypoints and tracks and, and put notes in there. Um, I've, I've created a lot of tracks, especially here in the mountains, and going into different areas kind of, went into them differently based on looking at topo and there's several tracks that I've, you know, hiked up into a spot and there's no way I would ever choose that way again. Uh, whether it be like deadfall or crick crossing or whatever it is. Um, so even for air, for places to get into places I want to hunt, you know, I'll find the best one and save that track. And that way, if I come back a year later in the dark, I know exactly where to park. I know exactly where to hike up. I'm going to follow, even in the dark, I'm going to follow my phone. Um, Cause there are a lot of spots over here where you can get clipped out. You know, you can come up on a 300 yard log jam, you know, blow down from a fire where you're crossing logs for, you know, two hours to get not very far at all. Um, so yeah, I've, I found that to be super valuable for me as well. Just finding good routes into hunting areas. 
Yeah, that's 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 a huge one that that I realized. You know, I was I was hunting in a wilderness area, so there's you know no logging or anything going on. There's just deadfall everywhere. It seems like, and you know every place that I thought was a shortcut was not a shortcut when she started getting into some of that deadfall. And yeah, I have that marked with basically a big X, like stay out of there <laughs> as far as when you're, when yeah. you're, if you're trying to take a shortcut or like you said, navigating in the dark and, and the same thing with the, the cliffs, it's something that may show up on a, you know, top of map. You don't realize um, until you actually get there and see it, you can get cliffed out pretty easily in, in different areas. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had several times where in the dark, I fight through some nasty stuff in a flashlight only to see that in the daylight and just shake my head. Cause if I would have only been 20 yards, you know, North, I could have just walked on a trail, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's uh, a lot of trial and error. Um, but that's, you know, that's primarily use case for Western hunting in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the East, a lot of guys are marking, marking the very best route or multiple different routes based on what the wind's doing into their tree stands. Um, you know, so they might hunt the same tree stand, but come into it a different way and, uh, keep those tracks so they can get there, at, you know, hour before daylight or whatever, and just, just head up there and not have to fumble around and, you know, leave a bunch more scent in the area or make a bunch more noise than what they'd have to. Yeah. Especially in the East when you're whitetail hunting, that's, that's a big deal. And, and getting to your stand quietly and not making a bunch of noise and disturbing a lot of stuff is, is, um, one of the biggest things. And for me anyways, when I'm hunting some of the region, especially when it's really, you know, forested terrain, it's, you're not walking through an open farm field, you have to find the best route. So when I'm in there in the spring doing my scouting and everything, that's when I'm marking routes, walking in, going through and whether that's doing a track and saving it or that's just um putting visual markers down almost like uh like so if you would use i don't know if you guys use them out there but we use tree tacks sometimes in places that you're allowed to um or like twisty reflective tape that go around branches so when you're walking in with a flashlight you can find your way to your tree stand but anymore so i don't want other people finding the way to my tree stand i can just have little, uh, I just leave waypoints every, you know, say hundred yards going through and I'm able to follow those along, whether that's on an old logging trail or a gated road or whatever that may be and figure out where I need to cut in to head up to my stand. And that's been, uh, that's been a, a great feature to be able to use there as well. So yeah, with, within that app, um, there's there's a bunch of different map layers so coming from on, on the eastern side of things the the biggest thing is for me is seeing timber cuts i turn that feature on yep. all the time and the reason for that is is that's the big woods food plot for me is when you find a timber cut that's a few years old and it's just starting to green up grow up a little bit and everything and they're feeding on that that browse I'll look at that, and the, the nice feature is on a uh, federally owned land, they have all this marked, and with the year, when the year it was cut. And you can tell if yeah. it was completely clear-cutted or if it was select-cut. And that it, if you know how to use that tool and that feature right there, it is extremely beneficial to you. So if I see one that, say, it was cut in 2008, 
I'm going to know that's a little bit more grown up now, and it's probably going to create a great bedding area. But if I see one that's relatively new, two to three years old, then I'm going to focus on more of that for food. And they, they may still bed in there too. If there's, there's some, you know, blackberry bushes or briars, anything underneath, but that that's how I'm using that to, to aerial scout areas and then go in and confirm it on, you know, with boots on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a big one. And then another one that's kind of the, basically the exact same reason to use it, as you just mentioned, was the historic wildfires. So we do compile all the data for wildfires, where exactly the parameters was. It'll show you by color code um, the exact spots that the fire burned with the year that it burnt. And I mean, exact same reason that you're, you're using the timber cuts there. The wildfire one is super, super helpful. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the amount of layers and the, the amount of data in the app really sets it apart from the chip. I know we were talking about the differences a little bit. And we're able to incorporate so much more data into the app and you can customize it and, and turn it on and turn it off. Like some people may never ever use a historic wildfire or the timber cuts layer. Um, so they don't want that, you know, on their map and kind of taking away from the stuff they do use. Um, and that's the nice thing about the app is you can choose what you want to see and what you don't. So there's a, a ton of different information and different layers in there that you can use, you know, where, where you want and when you want and change the transparency and the, the look and feel to it. So, um, that is a big difference between the app and the, the chip. If we were to, you know, include all of this data on the chip, there'd be so much information on the map that it would be hard to pick out and use the information that you, you wanted. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely, I completely agree with that. And it's, yeah, like I don't need the wildfire app on while I'm hunting in Pennsylvania or Ohio or New York, but if I'm hunting in Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, name, you know, name the state out there, you want to have that turned on or, or at least have it on for, for scouting as well to, uh, to be able to look at that and see, well, is this, is this, was the wildfire long enough ago where it could be a food source or, you know, is this, or is this an area I want to avoid hunting for a year or two? Is that kind of how you're yep. using it as yep. well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, everybody's got their own kind of preference. Um, I would say every single person uses the app differently. Um, everybody hunts a little bit differently and uses the data differently. Some people strictly rely on private and public land and, you know, look at the imagery and telephone and that's it. Um, a lot of people are relying on like, um, like our roadless areas layer, you know, it'll show areas farthest away from, from roads and people are planning trips based on that information right there. Um, you know, they want to hike into an area in the backcountry in the wilderness, wherever it is, not see people or at least not be bothered by cars and, ATVs and dirt bikes, and they, they can use that layer. Um, as you said, the timber cuts, historic wildfires, we have a current wildfire layer that's updated daily, um, not wildfire season currently, but here in Montana, I mean, typically toward the end of the summer and once archery season starts, you know, we're usually covered in smoke and lots of fires. Um, and so daily you can track that and see where the fires are at. Um, even for safety reasons, you know, one of my areas last year was, was on fire and it was 
small enough that it was fine. I could still go hunt that area. I checked it the next day and that fire just completely blew up overnight. Um, so instead of driving two hours down there, realizing that the air was so smoky, I wouldn't be able to even see anything um, and deal with that hazard. I was able to see that from my couch on my phone and go to plan B and go to a different area. Um, so that one, you know, we've got wilderness, we've got trails and rec sites. Um, we've got trail slope, um, trail mileage. I mean, the, the layers, you know, they're, there's a lot of information. We work with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, National Wild Turkey Records. Um, you know, we work with um, Boone and Crockett, a few other inf- few, few other organizations that we take some of their data um, and incorporate it into a layer that will show people their data as well. So there's lots of different options for sure. Yeah, you guys have been uh, very busy in the last couple of years updating that, like uh, like you were saying. Is um is there anything else that you could tell me about new that we may be looking forward to here in the next, you know, six to 12 months? Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of, we have so many things on the roadmap. Um, and we've got a great team here that is growing, you know, at a very fast, fast rate. I think we are, I don't know exactly where we're at. We've hired a bunch of people even this week, but I think we are, I want to say over 90 employees right now. Um with a big GIS team, big engineering team. So we're always working on the next features, the next information we can put in the app as well as upkeep and just even the, the constant year over year updating the information. Um, we recently came out with sharing feature. So, you know, if we're going to meet up in Wyoming somewhere, I can mark a waypoint at the trailhead and text it to you or, email it to you and then all you have to do is click on the link and that waypoint saves in your app. Um, so that's great. And I think there's a lot more that we can do with that feature, um, that we don't have the capabilities quite yet, but we're working towards. So, um, working on some stuff there. We just updated our telpho maps, uh, a lot, a lot better telpho map in there. Now we're currently working on aerial imagery. Um, we've got, We've got some other stuff coming up that I can't really speak to quite yet, but uh, yeah, we're constantly innovating, constantly looking for the next best thing. Awesome. So whenever I come out to Montana, then you can just email me all the waypoints ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll email you a waypoint where we're going to meet. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The gas station, like three hours away. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then then put on a blindfold and head up. Okay. uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, that's a cool feature. I mean, me and uh, a guy from work, actually a couple guys from work here, I had a late season cow elk tag um, and went in. It was last day before we were headed to uh, the NWTF convention over in Nashville and filled my tag with like three minutes to spare that night. And by the time we got up to the elk, it was blizzarding, snow. It was horrible conditions. The weather was miserable. Um but we were like two and a half miles from the pickup, complete dark, um, and had this elk down and it was two of us and, and, uh, fortunate enough, you know, another buddy of mine was close by and I had service. So I was able to mark a waypoint and let him know was successful, had an elk down and he was able to bring his pack up, hike in two and a half miles with his headlamp and get to the exact spot where we were, help us, uh, pack it out all in one load. So, I mean, without that, there's no way I would have even tried to have somebody come in and find us. Um, 
would have had to take out what we could and either make one more trip and hike all night and get it out or come back in the morning and hopefully take off some work. So, you know, little things like that um, I personally used, and I know a lot of people throughout the country have used too. We get a lot of testimonials. Awesome. No, that, that's cool to hear. There's a question that I have uh, specifically, and, and it's actually per, for personal reasons here, but for can you transfer old waypoints from the GPS to the app? You can. Um, it's definitely a lot. I shouldn't say a lot more. Um, there are more steps to it than it would be to like transfer waypoints, you know, from the computer to your app and vice versa. Um, you can do it though. We do have an upload feature on the computer version. Um, and one thing I would say with that too is, you know, if you're not familiar on how to do that, if you go to our website, um, in our tutorials and support, we've got a ton of really, really great FAQs, instructional videos, step-by-step information, or give our customer service a call. They're great. And they, they walk people through stuff like that all the time, like step-by-step over the phone. So, um, you definitely can do that. And that's, that's one thing we wanted to make available because, you know, we definitely know and we understand that a lot of people have years and years worth of data and waypoints and very important stuff on their GPSs. Um, so that was important for us to be able to make that transferable and, and put that into the app. And can you do that for just, say, an X amount of waypoints rather than all of them? Or yep, is it... absolutely. You can do Okay. Yep. No, you can... You can pick and choose for sure. Because I have some whitetail spots that uh, I could definitely use some cleaning up on the waypoints. <laughs> and because you look at it, and and if you're zoomed out about a mile, there's nothing but red. It's just I, yep. uh, I everything uh, I had marked over the last you know five six years on there, and I need to really go through and clean it up. Yeah, I just went like last week or the week before and cleaned up a bunch of waypoints. If I didn't have notes with it or if i didn't you know if looking at the waypoint didn't trigger something mentally i just got rid of it because i had so many yeah. um that's why I'm, I'm really really trying to be good about putting notes with my my waypoints now um so you can look at it later and even if it's not ringing a bell uh you know you can dive into your notes and figure out why you marked that <laughs> yeah and and the, so for what I, what I was using whitetail hunting is i was marking every scrape i'd find and I realized that that you can't do that. <laughs> it just fills up too much. And like, so I, I started switching it up where I'd mark primary scrapes or ones that they're using, you know, year after year or a big licking branch being broke, you know, something there was telling me, this is something I want to pay attention to. Not something that, you know, a buck was all riled up during the rut going through, just hitting the branch that day, you know, and pawing up the ground. So that was something that I had to change um, that I'm changing going forward. And now what I do is those primary scrapes, I'll just go into that old waypoint when I find it, say the next year and I see it's tore up, I'll write in the notes, you know, same thing and then write the date in of the, the update. And so then when I'm going back, looking at it, say, whether it's that year I'm using the information or when I'm sitting, you know, at home in the wintertime scouting from my computer, I can pull up that data and be able to say, okay, this scrape is being used three years in a row. This time at this time of year, it's being tore up. Then, you know, couple that with my trail cam data and be like, all right, if I'm going to, 
if I, if I think I could use this scrape as a tactic to be successful, these are the dates, these are the conditions that, uh, is, is possible to do that. So there's, there's just endless amount of ways you can use this, the scout with it. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you on and talk to everyone about that, because no matter where you go in the United States, um, and again, that's all I've always used it in is, uh, you can, you can use this app for, for that. So it's very, very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, well, before I worked for Onyx, I, I was a big, uh, user and believer and always will be. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, we all, we spend a lot of money every year on tags and, and gas and the, the equipment and everything to be successful. And, uh, yeah, to have something readily available to know where where you're at and legally, you know, use all that stuff that you bought and all that money and time invested shooting your bow throughout the summer and whatnot. It's it's definitely a very small price to pay um, to have the confidence to go be successful or, or at least put yourself in a situation um, that, you know, you could be successful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to add, Dylan, or uh, any more information? No, I mean, I think we covered a little bit of the app. I mean, there's there's a lot of information in there, as we said. And, I mean, for anybody who doesn't have it or wants to check it out, uh, we do have a free seven-day trial, um, 100% risk-free. You can just download the app, search Onyx Hunt, either in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, set up an account, get free seven days. Um, if you have any questions, give us a call. We're more than happy to chat with anybody and uh answer any questions um and then yeah i mean basically our membership for the app is we've got a premium membership which is single state um and then elite membership which is all 50 and the premium membership runs 29.99 a year uh the elite 99.99 a year so 100 bucks gets you all 50 states um for the year so i mean definitely i would i would urge everybody to download it check it out even if you want to check it out and play around with the free version and and see, you know, how it's going to help you out. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, an awesome tool. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So where can, uh, where can everyone find a little bit more information on Onyx and then as well as you personally? Yeah. So Onyx, uh, our website, www.onyxmaps.com, um, slash hunt. But if you just go to that onyxmaps.com, you'll be able to, navigate see all our videos and whatnot and then definitely our social media um outlets as well for onyx which is onyx and then the space and hunt um so we're onyx hunt on instagram and facebook i would say that's primarily where we're active daily um you know we'll get back to you answer any questions through those channels um and then we've got a youtube for onyx hunt as well where we do a lot of videos for you know our ambassadors videos and whatnot. Um, and then as well, do a lot of like tips and tricks and updates, uh, for the app and whatever. So yeah, definitely, uh, check those spots out. And then our, on our website down at the bottom, we've got our support tab. If anybody needs any questions or wants anything clarified. Awesome. 
All right, man. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on here and uh, giving some feedback. I'm sure uh, we'll have to have you on again and talk about some more things as they uh, release and, and some different ways of using the app. I mean, like you said, we just touched on some of the high-level things here, but I think once uh, people start diving into it, if they haven't used it already, then there's a lot of valuable information here. Yeah, absolutely. No, we would uh, we'd appreciate it. Hop on again and, and chat anytime. All right, man. Well, thank you, and you have a good night. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.